Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey guys, welcome. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. We want to let you know that we are excited to be in your homes or whatever device you're listening to, wherever you're at. Thank you for taking time to do that. Um, we are going to bring the word to you, and it's going to be out of Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. We're going to talk a little bit about Moses today. Uh, before we do that, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for the day that you've made, and we celebrate your name, Father, whether it's at our house or whether it's on vacation, wherever we might be right now, God. However we're listening, Father, we just say that we're grateful for your hand in our life. Bless our efforts today as we learn about your word. We love you and praise you. Amen. Today we're going to be talking about love is. Now love is really, really hard to define and we spoke about that a little bit last week but the Bible gives us a roadmap for what love is and what it's not. And this week we're going to continue on on that and, and there's some things that I know that love does do. For one, love doesn't always make sense. <laughs> Sometimes love pulls me in a way that I just don't completely understand why it's doing that. Other times love says to do this when I really feel that I shouldn't, but love doesn't always make sense. Uh, make, love will make you do silly things. If you've ever been a new parent or a grandparent, then you know very well that love will just make you do silly things. It'll make you do the gag, gag, goo, goo. And then uh, whenever you're young and you're in love and you're uh, maybe chasing your mate, there's some things that you normally wouldn't do that you do because you want to impress them. Uh, you want to be able to uh, be relational with them and get to know them. Uh, love overlooks flaws now. <laughs> very important, but very dangerous too as well, right? One of the things that we don't want to do is overlook too many flaws because flaws can be scary. <laughs> we want to know what we're really getting ourselves into and we want to take an honest look at that. But we also know that people are imperfect and maybe somebody can deal with a flaw that I can't deal with and um, that's the reason why with that person and I'm not. Uh, but love will definitely make us overlook flaws. Then love will also make our emotions change so drastically. Oh, sometimes love can make you feel like you're on top of the world, right? Um, and then other times it can make you feel so low maybe because of loss or uh, maybe because of a broken heart. There's several reasons why that might happen but, uh, but nonetheless it can make our emotions go one way or the next but one thing that we do know is that we all want to chase love we want to chase love in relationship and with our family we want to chase a God who loves us and and that's wonderful news because we know that he loves us back so today as we study Moses we might think why Moses well Love is a powerful thing. Love changes and engages. And we know as we engage in love, we want that person that we love, that, um, that situation that we love to increase. Maybe it's a, a business or a company, and we want it to grow. If it's our spouse or our kids or family or a fellow man, well, we want them to find destiny. We want them to feel the depths of love. And here we see a God going after Moses. Moses had made some mistakes, but we still see a God who went after and just lavished his love and said hey what I'm going to do is not let you just hang out in the pasture forever I'm going to put some destiny on your life I'm going to use you that way you can deliver some people and some miracles can be performed and that's very exciting news and that's the true love that we face so here as we read here in Exodus chapter 4 verses 1 through 5 what we found out is that there's a he's been at this point he's he's 
he's already done some stuff in Egypt that he didn't need to do. He killed a guy and buried him in the sand, and it was an Egyptian uh, a command guy. And then he flees to a town named Midian. And then at that region in Midian, he meets his wife, and he has some kids, and he settles in. And there's quite a bit of time that passes. And then he's out shepherding his flock for his father Jethro, which is where he's employed um, at and by. And then there's this burning bush, and the scripture says that he turned aside to see what this burning bush was. Well, he begins dialogue and begins talking to this burning bush because really the burning bush is just a representation of the messenger of the Lord, an angel. And an angel tells him what he wants to do, what the Lord wants to do with his life and how he must go back to Egypt and um, do these type of things. Well, Moses is like, I, I don't know if I can do this. And then he begins to say, well, what if this happens and what if that happens? And God takes him on a short journey here through these five scriptures. And uh, I really believe in these five scriptures we can tell some more about God's love. We know that God is love. And First John tells us that. We know that if we knoweth not love, we knoweth not God, for God is love. So here we see Moses interacting with God. And now that we know that God is love, we know that God produces an amazing amount of love that we can't understand and here he is saying listen I want you to do some amazing things and he's talking through his messenger but Moses has some reservations and we've all been there before where we feel maybe God's calling us to do something or we know we need to make some changes but wait a second God can I handle it well I think we're going to find our answer today here in Exodus chapter 4 verses 1 through 5 then Moses answered but behold they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say the Lord did not appear to you the Lord has said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. So in this moment, we see Moses having this dialogue. And God begins to answer him back and say, Listen, you might not think you're enough, but I've got you on a mission here. And, and, and like many of us, as God knocks on our heart maybe for salvation. Maybe he's leading us to that next level, to that next situation that he's, he's asking us to do. There's that person in our life that he's calling us to witness to, to encourage. Maybe to begin that process. And maybe we've been trying to hold back and say, God, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Well, Moses here is in the same situation. And Moses has to make a choice to go from a runner to a responder. He has to make a choice to go from judge. You know, when he killed the Egyptian and he kind of put down judgment on his own to an advocate. Now God is sending him back and saying, I want you to speak on my behalf and for the people. And God's trying to take him from the pasture to the palace. He's trying to take him from being a herder to a heroine. And here Moses is left with that choice. Do I answer or, or do I not? And we know that Moses ultimately answers. And as I, as I read back over that dialogue, I, I find some things that love is. So if you're writing this down, the first thing that encouraged me about this passage is I find out that love is our defender. Love is our defender. Moses, of course, had questions. He said, they will not believe me. Will they listen to my voice? They'll even say, the Lord did not appear to you. Well, what I learned from that is God is going to be asking us to go to some places 
that we're going to need him to defend us. God is going to reveal some things to us about our organization, about our mission, maybe about our marriage, or maybe about the future, that not everybody's going to believe and going to hold us back. But that's what a dream is. A dream is just a dream. It means that I haven't got there yet, but I have a desire to get there. And God will put us in that position where only he can be the defender. I mean, think about it here. Here, he's talking to Moses, and he's sending him to a group of people with a message that they probably won't believe. He's sending them to something that they probably won't listen to and and that they're going to question. Well, that sounds like Christianity to me. It sounds like Jesus did. Jesus came to earth to people who would reject him, who would say that he was a liar and he was of the devil and who who would say these negative things. So it's not unusual and it's not something that Jesus Christ didn't do himself and something that he may be asking us to do. And how does that love, how do I see that that becomes a love, that love is a defender. Well, I see that, that, that Jesus, that, that God's talking to Moses here, and he gives him some staying power. He says, listen, you're going to go, but that's okay, because I'm going to be with you. And in our love, as Christ defends us, he, he defends us one of the great ways by giving us what I like to call that staying power, that I'm going to dig in my heels and do what God has called me to do. I'm going to be willing to walk through it. In those situations... It's where he really defends us. He can't defend us if we're running away. He can defend us, though, when we're facing our problems and saying, listen, God, I have no other choice but to trust you. I have no other choice but to do what you've called me to do. So whatever you've called me to do, let me do that with my whole heart. Then he also defends us in his love by giving us rest. Now, he hasn't called us to retreat. Rest is much, much different than retreating. Retreating is where we give up territory and we give up land and, and, and we run away. Oh, no, no. God will defend us and he will speak to us about giving us his rest, about realizing that he is that strong tower that we can run into, that by our righteousness, which is found through Jesus Christ, we can be found in God. We don't have to retreat. We can take a deep breath and say, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you trying to do? Whenever we, we, whenever we go back and we say, God, I want to rest, what it'll help us do is it'll help us uh, find new ways to face those problems. Sometimes those problems that we face, man, it is more and more difficult because that problem grows larger and larger and larger. Sometimes by stepping back and saying, God, I, I've got to take a rest for a second here. I've got to collect myself. And that's what he wants to do with us. Man, uh, matter of fact, if you look at Moses, Moses went to Midian, and I knew that he, I know that he fleed to Midian, but that was also a time that he rested, that he got his life in order, that he got things together. And sometimes that's what we have to do. Matthew 11, 28, it says, Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, it's, rest is a very personal thing. Christ says in that that I will give you rest. Why is that important? Because it's your situation. It's your thing that you're facing. I have my things that I face, and only God can help me through those things. Now, he can send people to speak into my life and to encourage me just like he has done with you, and he will do with you. But your rest, so it's very specific there. God knows what we're fighting. He knows what we're dealing with. He knows what we're facing, and he knows the rest that we'll need to be able to be conquerors in that situation. But we have to believe in the saying, God, no, you're going to give me rest. Whenever I'm fully rested, I have a clear mind. I have a body full of energy. I have enthusiasm to take on what what God has uh, 
you know what God has asked me to do many times if I'm rested I sit back a moment and say okay God I've got new vision for this I've got new passion for where you're taking me and what you're asking me to do and that's really what God wants from us he really wants us to believe that his love will defend us and we know that God is love and God is the great defender so whenever our back is pressed up against the wall whenever we feel like there's no way out and we say, God, my reputation is at stake, or this is at stake, or God, I, I don't know what to do here. We can remember that, no, God has our back. He will defend us. And he wants to put us in situations where he can do the miraculous. He wants to put us in situations where his miracle-working power can be shown through us because he wants to get the glory. Which brings me to my next point here, if you're a note-taker, that his love is miraculous. This love that we experience from God is really a, a miraculous thing. In verse, in, in verse 2 it says, The Lord said to him, What is in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it. And it became a staff. One of the things that I realize here is miraculous starts with God. Miraculous love, the source is God. Not me, but the source is God. However, miraculous includes me. Oh, isn't that great news that God wants to work miracles through us? He still wants to use his hand to change people's lives. Joseph, Joseph started with the dream. We see that David, we know that he started with a bear and a lion when nobody else was watching. Mary and Joseph, they were spoken to by an angel on individual accounts. And then we see the same thing with Peter and the apostles. They're up in the upper room in Acts. There's about 120 of them around, and the Holy Spirit comes in and fills them with power. And what, is all, what do all these have in common? Well, they got their commissions from God with no audience. And I believe that's what God does in our lives. See, that miraculous begins with God believing in us. There's nothing more miraculous than just us being saved. <laughs> The whole, whole heaven throws a party whenever one becomes saved. That's a very powerful statement. But we also know that the miraculous includes me. That God wants to work that power through me. But it starts without an audience. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching and he's talking about this. He says, but when you give to the needy, don't let your, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What is he saying? Don't keep track of it. Do it without an audience. He goes on in, in verse 6 there and he says, but when you pray, go into the inner room, shut the door. And then he talks about how whenever we do that, when nobody can see that he will reward us openly. Then he goes on in chapter, or excuse me, in verse 18 there and he says, so that when you fast, you will not be obvious to men. What is he saying? Whenever we do this in obedience to the Lord, when we do it in the quiet, then he will move on our behalf openly. But we have to be willing to do it without an audience. And we have to be willing to be focused in on what God is asking us to do, not to get too distracted. The other night, I was fixing some spaghetti for my family. My wife had just gotten a, a new magazine. It was a food magazine. And I thought, well, I'm going to do something for my wife. I'm going to fix spaghetti for dinner. 
spaghetti and meatballs specifically. So I get my meat and all the spices and I make my meatballs and I put them in the refrigerator for um, how long it says to put it in there and, and I try to do everything exactly right. And then we get to the part where everything kind of starts getting done at the same time. You know what I mean? You're, getting, uh, you're, 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 you're cooking the meatballs and then you're boiling the noodles and then you're trying to make the sauce with the crushed tomatoes and you're doing all this stuff. Well, what happened is my focus got off and before I knew it, it was not spaghetti and meat meatballs uh, the meatballs were just falling apart I did something wrong so I wound up with spaghetti and meat sauce now it was still good but I did not I did not end up where the recipe uh, with the recipe where I should have ended up why well I lost my focus I didn't, I didn't say, okay, I need to do this thing and then do this thing. And in our world today, that's a wonderful example of how life can be. God is calling us to something. And something's trying to take our attention and, and turn us away. And we've got to say, no, I've got to go back. Now, there may be many steps involved in what God is trying to get us to do. But we shouldn't lose focus on what God has spoken to our heart. What God has asked us to do. In John 4 and 24, it says this, God, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And if I want to walk in that miraculous love, if I want that to be a part of my life, then I have to be willing to say, okay, God, how do I strengthen my spirit? How do I make sure that my spirit is connected to yours? Because I want to worship you truly. And I know when I truly worship you and I walk in that spirit, then I know that you can do things for me, that I won't lose my focus. Well, throughout Scripture, it shows us how we can supply our strength or how we can supply our spirit with strength. First of all, if you're not saved, I would encourage you to give your heart to Jesus Christ, John three sixteen, the basic Scripture for all believers. That has to be the first point. Then if we go on, we see that serving Christ, Paul talks about how he was strengthened because he was serving the church and serving Christ. In Hebrews 10 and 25, not forsaking the assembling of each other, going to church, that will strengthen our spirit just like you're doing right now, whether we're having church in our house or, or church here. We, we certainly only do this and want to only do this whenever we had the COVID restrictions or maybe on inclement weather days. But outside of that, we need to find a way to get to the church because we don't want to forsake ourselves. We want to keep uh, sharing the gospel amongst ourselves and into the world and getting together and worshiping our creator and then in acts 1 and 8 oh we see that the holy spirit gives us power that holy spirit connects with our spirit and if we say yes to the holy spirit we can be strong in it and then we also know that scripture is inspired paul's writing to timothy and he says listen the scripture that you're reading is god breathed so if i want my spirit strong i can read more scripture and realize that god will speak to me and encourage me and then there's always fasting. Fasting is a very powerful tool to strengthen our spirit. We see that through Daniel and Jesus and even Esther. Esther is really one of those great stories because she's reminded that just because you're in a palace, she was a queen and she was protected and some people were coming after her people, which were, which, which were the Jews. And she was reminded by a friend to say, hey, just because... You have some material possessions around you just because you have some position. Don't think for a second that they can't get to you as well. And she called a three-day fast. She said, I'm going to go do something that I know could get me killed, but I'm going to do it for my people. I'm going to do it because I want to honor God. And she said, I'm going to call a fast. And she said, this group of people fast and I'll fast and then I'll go in and do what God has asked me to do. Very powerful tools for strengthening our spirit. And, and as our spirit is strengthened, we become even more sensitive. 
We understand that we pray and when we read that scripture will come out and grip our hearts and it will have meanings to it that is sometimes deep and we can see, okay, God, what you're doing and how you're changing things. We can see that uh, as we get closer to Christ through our spiritual bond and our spirit strengthens, then things will change like listening. We'll, we'll want to make sure, God, what are you saying to me in this moment? And that's what we see even here with Moses. Moses here is throwing himself, uh, he's throwing the staff down on the ground because God told him to. And then he grabs the serpent by the tail. Did you notice in there that the scripture said, don't grab it, it said grab it by the tail. It didn't say grab it by the head or grab it by the middle, but grab it by the tail. And that's where Moses reached down and grabbed it. And he was listening to the Lord and trying to do what he said. And as God wants to take this miraculous love in our life and work it, we must be willing to li listen and listen to those details. And sometimes those details aren't going to sound all important. The first thing that he told Moses to do was take his staff and throw it on the ground. Well, that doesn't seem very hard. It seems very practical. But then what happens? Then we see the miraculous happening and it turns into a serpent and then we see, and we see even Moses go run. Well, what does that lead us to know? Well, that sometimes during the miraculous power of Christ, during some things that he's doing in our life, we can say, whoa, what is going on? But don't run and hide. Just know that God's gonna continue to do it because he has that power and he wants to unleash it in our lives and let it work for us so that his name can have glory. And then, of course, he picks up the snake and turns back into a staff. And sometimes in our life, that's really how it starts. God, what are you telling me to do? And then when he speaks to our heart, well, God, that seems so practical. You're just telling me to give something or believe something or read scripture over somebody. Well, do it. Don't hesitate. Let God use that miraculous power and let's get this thing started so we can keep moving forward. But whenever he does call us to do the spiritual stuff, when he does call us to cry out in prayer and to seek his face and to fast, that we do that with all of our heart. And we say, God, whatever you're calling me to do, we're going to do it. Why? Because, see, it was the opposition is where Moses gained his authority. Now, he already had the authority given to him by the Lord of the universe. So he was recognized. But here on earth, remember he said, would they even believe me? Do they even know? Well, as he walked back in and the ten plagues and we know the story, we found out that that opposition is really what gave him the authority for the position that God was sending him to. And some of the things that you face, some of the situations that's been very difficult, you didn't realize it, but God's been promoting you. He's been taking that opposition and developing you, giving you the authority. That way, whenever you get to that place that he's called you to be, you'll be able to operate and you'll be able to do the things that he called, us, called you to do. And that's very, very powerful news. See, Moses goes on and, and after he's, he leaves from, the, from uh, Egypt with the Israelites and they, they, have a, they have a party, so to speak, and they celebrate what's going on. Well, then we know the very, one of the next things that they face is the Red Sea. And Moses is talking to God and Moses is crying out to God and, and Moses says, why, or, or God says, why, Moses, are you calling to me? He says this to him, he says, move forward, stretch out your hand and divide the Red Sea. Now, the, the army of the Egyptians is coming up behind them. The only thing that they have is the army behind them and the sea in front of them. 
But Moses knows that God has delivered him before, and he'll deliver him again. He even says that to the children of Israel. Well, he does exactly what he says. It doesn't take another 30-minute or 45-minute dialogue that we see at the burning bush. Moses stretches out his hand, and God begins to change things, and they cross the Red Sea, and it goes through. Why? Because God's a keeper of his word. His love is miraculous, and he's a miraculous God, and he wants us to walk in that. God surrounds us with his love. See, when we walk in that miraculous love, we do what Moses did. We realize that God has our back. He's going to preserve us for the situation that we're in, and he has hope and a future for us, and he's going to make a way for whatever obstacle is in front of us. And that's really good news. And that lets us know that God is on our side because he has a miraculous love for us. And that miraculous love is something to be certainly shared with. As we read a little bit further in verse 5, it says that they may believe that the Lord, their God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Well, what does that tell me? For, well, for me, that tells me that this love that we get to experience, that we get to share, is a generational love. It's not just meant for me, but God wants me to take that love that he so showed me and invest it into generations above me and generations below me that my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids might experience this wonderful love of Jesus Christ. And that generational love, well, it'll make us, us want to fight. It'll make us want to fight to defend the freedoms that we, that we have in Jesus Christ to defend innocence and defend the biblical view of marriage and defend the practices that, that God has called us to, to honor him and raising our children. Maybe some of these things that they consider, that people consider conservative values. If, if chasing the word of God and chasing Christ is conservative, then I would say that we're conservative and that's all right because we believe in those principles. Everyone working and honoring our elders and, and this freedom to express religion. Well, we understand that this thing is generational. That God has spoken to our forefathers and down through the centuries is why we're where we are now in such a beautiful nation, in such a beautiful land. It's been passed on and it makes us appreciative and that's okay and we appreciate everybody that has had protection, our, our daily uh, our law enforcement and our uh, military and all the first responders, all these different people. Thank you guys so much for all that you do and we mean that from the bottom of our hearts. It's that generational love that you want your, your community to be better and better year after year and day after day. And we all feel that. And we want to pass it down. Deuteronomy 6 and 7. It says this, You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talking about the commands of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord. Saying, listen, diligently teach them to your children. And they shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. What is he saying? That this stuff is important to us. That this is a generational love that grandparents need to teach um, kids and, and, and grandchildren. And grandchildren need to teach their grandchildren. And it goes on and on and on because it is a generational love. Now we need to handle these in a correct manner. We have to make sure that we guard how we present this sometimes. Because we understand that we can get a little defensive. We can get a little angry, a little frustrated at times whenever we see people showing different kinds of disgrace for things that, for our freedom that, well, it's cost people their lives and marriages and several things that can't be replaced by money. And they've paid a price and sacrificed and we know at times that we have to be really careful. Shouldn't back away and shouldn't just sit down and say nothing, but 
we need to make sure that with the generation, generational love that we pass that down in the right manner. We do it for love with our God, and then we also do it for love for our fellow man, knowing that everything ultimately resides in Jesus Christ, that that's the reason why we do what we do. But it doesn't mean we have to sit back and just tolerate things. Um, tolerance can be, can be a cause for a foothold to become a stronghold. So we don't want to just tolerate things. We need to speak out and encourage. And here we see as Jesus, as, as the Lord is talking to Moses, to go back and say, listen, it's the God that you've read about. It's the things that he has said which I'm going to do. Well, we can do that certainly in our lives too. Charles Spurgeon says this, if, you, if we never have headaches through rebuking our children, we shall have plenty of heartaches as they grow up. And we certainly can understand that. We understand that it's difficult sometimes. It's, it's headaches to discipline kids and, and, do, and do correction. But it'll save us from so many heartbreaks in the future. And we see that even with generations now. The generations that maybe have been neglected and denied. Well, now we're facing some situations that, that, that is difficult. But we can still can say, listen, we're going to jump in and do that. Because love is a defender. Love is miraculous. And love is generational. Now this is the wonderful thing about love though. is Love can start right where you're at. We know that maybe we didn't have the best examples or maybe some things weren't shown to us in the proper way. But you and I can make that choice today to say, listen, I'm going to love correctly. I don't have to use that as an excuse. I don't have to use that as something that can hold me back. But I can say, no, I want to love generationally. I want to love like God has told me to love. And I can't hesitate. See, whenever God is calling us to show that love, Whenever he's saying, listen, you need to go forward and he's given us the opportunity and the direction, then we better take our chance. At the Red Sea, we saw God's grace where Moses looked up at God and said, God, what should I do? And, and God said, stretch out your hand and walk forward. Well, if we flip forward in the Bible, we see where they were going to take the land that was promised to them and they had sent 12 spies Ten came back with a negative report, and the report was basically that we can't do it, meaning that God's really not who he says he is, and we can't do what God has said to do. But two of them came back and said, listen, we believe that God can allow us to take this land, that God can allow us to, to through his mighty spirit, that we can walk in what God has called us to walk in. And of course, they had to wander for 40 years and everybody that didn't believe, well, they lost their life and a new generation was raised up. And the two that did believe, Joshua and Caleb, got to go and got to get the promised land, got to walk in what God had promised them. What does that story show us? That shows us that God wants this love to continue through the generations. And if we haven't been shown that proper love, if there's been some kind of situation in our life that's been difficult, God says, listen, I will begin with you. But we as people don't need to fool ourselves and say, well, God, you'll just continue to show me grace and I can hesitate. And no, if God's spoken, spoken to our heart, if he's shown us what to do, if we know we have that stuff on the past to rely on that God has taken us through, then when God speaks to us today, when God shows us, we can't over-hesitate. We need to stretch out our hand and continue to walk forward and do what God has called us to do because our destiny depends on it. And many times, whenever he asks us to do that, we'll feel surrounded. We'll feel like the enemy is on every side of us. 
But we have to remember that whenever we feel like we're surrounded by our enemy, we're really surrounded by God's grace. We're surrounded by his spirit. He's going to preserve us in the time that we're in, and he's going to make a way for us in the future. Well, the first step of that is asking Christ into your heart to be the savior of your world. What's your world like? Christ can change it. He can come into your heart and he can rebuild and he can restore some things that maybe you've lost, some things that maybe you think you could never get back. You might be saying, Pastor Matt, I've gone too far. I don't know if God can save me. Well, we just read in the Bible that he is into generational love. He is into miraculous love. So he can do that. And he's also our defender to keep us from those same mistakes in the future. He wants us to not make those same mistakes, but move forward in the future that he has prepared for us. But the first step for that is saying, Jesus Christ, come into my heart and change my life. I want to follow you. And if you've done that, I want you to know that we here at Ray of Hope love you and we care for you. And we want you to continue that walk with Christ. In any way that we can do it, we want to let you know that we're here for you. You can contact us. You can go ahead and send an emoji of, <laughs> you know, of excitement and saying, hey, I just got saved. What do I do? And we will definitely respond to you. But I also know as a Christian, I do feel surrounded at times. I do feel like, God, I know that you're there, but give me the courage to continue to do that step. Even if it seems simple and practical, if you've called me to do it, God, let me do it. Let me throw that staff down on the ground and let me get back and see what you're gonna do in my life because I know that you will defend me, that you can perform miracles through me. And God, I know that I want my kids to see it and I want my grandkids to see it. I want all the generations to see your great love. But sometimes we can help be held back by fear. You know, John talks about that. John talks about fear. And he says that perfect fear, perfect love can cast out fear. 1 John 4 and 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. And we know that if we serve Jesus Christ, we serve that perfect love. And that perfect love is available to us. And God doesn't want us to be held back by fear. So if we think we're surrounded by that, God can reach in and take that fear out and cast it into the darkness. And we can be surrounded by his hope and his love. And we want you to know that we're believing with you for that. Would you bow your heads with me and let's say a prayer together. Father, our hearts are bowed to you. We thank you so much that you are a perfect God, that you're a holy God, that you love us. And God, that you want to work miracles through us. You want to work that love through us, God. You want to defend us, God. But God, we ultimately have to say yes to you. And we know that you ultimately don't want that love just to stop with us. But God, you want to go through the generations. So our hearts are bowed to you. Our spirits are full of excitement knowing that you're God that hears. Father, you know each situation and we pray that your mighty hand would move in it, God, according to it. Father, be with these wonderful people. Touch them, bless them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We love them very much and we know ultimately that you do, God. Be with them. We love them. Amen. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.